Fishing Rules and Regulations The rules of fishing in the River Google regularly change. If you like bending the rules and breaking them, you can be booted off and never invited back. This has happened to many businesses. I've seen this and in extreme cases, it means starting all over again, even with a new company name, a new website and a new location in the river. It also often means relying heavily on expensive spearfishing while the long path to recovery is underway. In the last chapter on weaving your SEO net, we touched on several areas where Google introduced ways to catch unruly fishermen who are gaming the system. These are complex computer algorithms with project names that have become legend and have dealt a heavy hand to those on the wrong side of the rules. So the better known names are Panda and Penguin. Both strike fear into the hearts of many professional fishermen on the River Google. So these animals, Panda and Penguin, they hunt and ban those who are detracting from the enjoyment of the Google environment. And they have the power to take your fishing permit away. Let's talk first about the panda. So once a fish leaves your the river Google to visit your fish tank, your website, Google wants to ensure that it's a good experience. So a fish which immediately bounces back to the river to try another search did probably not find what they were after when they visited yours. So the panda algorithm, which is named after one of the engineers who created it, seeks out the content in the fish tanks that's actually on the websites along the river and penalizes those that offer little value for the fish. Because many websites popped up using content copied from other websites using automated scraping tools to grab text from useful sites, Google Panda takes a very dim view of content that is copied from elsewhere. So until Panda, Google delivered results based on how many times a particular word or content appeared on a website. But now the panda is like a teacher, checking to see if the, the fish tank is just full of duplicated and copied content from others around the river. So it's estimated that some 12% of websites were impacted when panda was unleashed in February back in 2011. So with the arrival of panda, the things changed quite a bit for fishermen. Until then, you could employ all manner of tricks to copy content for your salmon from elsewhere and put as many search terms into your tank as possible, even hiding them in the background or as using white on white text at the bottom of every page. So it couldn't be seen by the fish even though the words were all there for Google to read. And back then it was easy for fishermen to simply grab content from other fish tanks and place it into theirs word for word without worrying about the risk. But that's just no longer the case. Now sharing valuable links to information that your salmon will find useful is encouraged, but don't cheat by copying from other fish tanks or other websites and simply pasting it onto your own. Panda is checking your activity when it comes to decorating your fish tank. Make sure yours is naturally attractive to the fish that you're looking to attract and not copied from elsewhere. So the best way to keep Panda happy is just make sure your fish tank has good quality, fresh, new and relevant content that the fish will be interested in and encourage them to share the content with the rest of the fish in the river with those backlinks. Many business owners just struggle to talk about their business in a differentiated way. If you hire a professional fisherman to weave your SEO net, 
you can expect to be pressed for quality original information to add to your site because this forms the important unique fibers of your net and without fibers it's very difficult to weave anything. A low value website with thin content, especially copied content, is a comfortable place for Panda to just come and sit on it and hide you from the rest of the world as the fish swim by. That's what happens if you fall foul of the Panda. Let's talk about Penguin. Backlinks are a reference on one website to another website. Google detects these and treats them like links between the fishing nets of the river steering the fish your way. Penguin's role, this is another piece of software, its role is to ensure your links are not artificial as these were created in large volumes once fishermen realized that initially any link was a good link in helping your website become visible. So the penguin, this feisty swimmer, hunts down trashy, unnatural backlinks that clutter up the river. Penguin also rewards good backlinks and downgrades or even blocks bad ones. So before the river Google, it was actually really frustrating to find what you needed online. You would search on all the rivers available and get plenty of results, but there was no real distinction between a website with authority versus a keyword stuffed page that was created last week. Many of the results were just not relevant and the fish would have to hunt through them to find anything useful. The internet was also much slower then, so searching online was not the instant experience that we enjoy today. When the river Google first started flowing, it did something that other rivers had not done and this is why it became so popular. It was this one fundamental thing that they did to make it very easy to search online and also made us, the fish, very happy. See, Google decided to not only look at the search terms, but also to look at the number of backlinks leading to a website. More backlinks equated to being more popular. And so these websites rose to the top. Naturally, it was easy for lots of fishermen to start gaming the system and to backlink everywhere because that's what worked. Google's strength then became its weakness, which fishermen were exploiting. To preserve the positive experience for the fish, the penguin was finally announced. This is in April 2012, finding and penalizing sites artificially exploiting those backlinks, which is link spam. When the river Google introduced this animal, all of a sudden backlinks to your website that previously helped float your net to the top became a weight belt burying you under the silt. Unnatural or inappropriate backlinking has become a high risk strategy. Penguin dealt a severe blow to these sites that had unnatural links and many never recovered. The example that we gave you at the start of this book, where overnight that business selling pet products basically fell off the face of the earth, that was impacted by Penguin. They disappeared and they had to start all over again. But in the end, yet they never actually made it. So Google takes its time in allowing a punished site to recover. You need to be careful that you have signposts in a natural environment of these links rather than pasting signs up in, in places that don't make any sense. So let's look at an example. If you were to go to a teenage girl's chat room in Japan, you would not expect to see a comment there with a link back to a plumbing business in Sydney. Penguin, dete Penguin just detects this as invalid and it treats it as a toxic backlink. Too many toxic links and down you go. Valuable links from trusted sites with authority, such as industry peak bodies or chambers of commerce, these do carry value in boosting your site. 
So finding relevant sites and influencing them to link back to your website, that comes back to that sweat and creativity that we talked about in the last chapter. So adding meaningful content in the form of useful tools and blog articles to your website, which other sites will share for the benefit of your salmon, are all examples of natural backlinking. As online marketing becomes more competitive in every corner of the river, this is becoming a greater challenge to achieve. If a fisherman tells you they'll get you lots of salmon by creating backlinks, just be warned, unless they have a really solid strategy for doing this well and with quality in mind, they may do more damage than good and you may find you have penguin on your tail. Let's talk about the hummingbird. Hummingbird is a clever bird. Again, it's a piece of software. The hummingbird here is flitting about checking the specific content in the tanks to make sure it makes sense. Until hummingbird, fishermen could simply sprinkle their fish tank with words and search terms and Google would just include them in the search results. So fishermen weaved each sentence to be full of bait using keywords and phrases that were often unnatural and unpleasant for the salmon who were visiting to actually read. This nonsense style content used to work, but just not anymore now that Hummingbird is actively looking for it. So for example, let's say uh, if a business in Sydney was selling blue suede trainers and the content of their website said something like, we sell blue suede trainers Sydney for those who want blue suede trainers Sydney for the best price blue suede trainers Sydney and the best quality blue suede trainers Sydney. Shop at our store for blue suede trainers Sydney. And you get the picture, it's just ridiculous. Though another example that you often see is something like, if you are looking for the best plumber Brisbane, rely on us to unblock toilets Brisbane. It's full of keywords, but it's certainly not natural. It's difficult to read. And quite obviously, it's only there for the search engines and it's not there for the fish. So Hummingbird, Hummingbird came about in August of 2013. That was a major re-engineering of Google's ability to read and understand the intent and the context of a written page rather than just the individual words and synonyms. Moving more towards themes than pure keywords. Google introduced Hummingbird to interpret natural language search. This enabled search using a conversation style of uh, like, how do I do a certain thing? Google's been working on the ability to keep the context of the conversation so that you can ask follow-up questions for further searching. So these devices of like uh, Google and Amazon appearing in your house is conversational search, but we still seem to be a long way from conversational search that Google wants to enable for voice search. So for example, recently, a Google search such as, how tall is the Eiffel Tower? Followed by a question like, are there any restaurants nearby? That would actually give you results for restaurants near the Eiffel Tower, not those near your location. It was smart enough to connect the two questions. You could then even ask a broader question such as, what about Italian? And Hummingbird enabled Google to give you results for Italian restaurants near the Eiffel Tower in Paris, even though the question, what about Italian, is pretty meaningless without that prior conversation. Now testing it again today, that no longer works. This is work in progress. So disappointingly, are there any restaurants nearby? That now completely ignores the Eiffel Tower question before. See, context is everything. So this really needs to be solved for the true success of search devices, or it's gonna be very difficult to bark instructions at the Google car that's automatically driving you to your destination in a few years time. So for now, to keep the Google creatures happy, 
Make sure your page reads clearly, your fish tank is easy for the fish, and for Hummingbird to easily understand what's on your pages. Is there a place where you can check the latest rules of the river Google? Yes, just search on Webmaster Guidelines for a page on that. Another creature to mention, Pigeon. Pigeon relates to the focus that Google has placed on locality, the importance of search related to physical premises and service areas. See, the, the shift to mobile has driven a lot of this change, and the tool of choice for managing this to claim your fishing spot is Google My Business. So we'll cover that in the next chapter.